Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, I won't go through all that again, but the recording just started. So anyway, <laughs> praise God. It's all good stuff. Amen. Amen. Now, listen. I just... Uh, Joey, Joey, will you come up here, buddy? I don't mean to embarrass you. Come up here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Holy. Pray for you, man. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for this man of God. We just love him. We bless him, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are, that you are working in his life in every area. Lord, I just wanted to point out, as you instructed me to, how right he is and how wonderfully he is doing with you. Listen, Lord, confirm this to him, if you would. What you're showing me, when, when there's a blessing coming, when the Lord has something wonderful for you, what, he will, what, what, what will precede that is an opportunity, not the kind of opportunity you think, but an opportunity for offense. An opportunity for offense will generally precede a huge blessing, a healing, a spiritual enlightenment, any kind of blessing that you're needing. An opportunity for offense will come first to show the condition of the heart and then a demand of some step of faith. So keep on doing what you're doing. You're doing great. You're right on track. Keep your focus on Jesus, nothing else. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He is your provider. Yes. We do not participate in the world system. We're in the world, but we're not of it. And God is not worried. Yes. You are his son. He loves you, he's well pleased, and he has wonderful things in store for you. Yes. Thanks for being a great example of what it looks like in, a, in the harder day-to-day -day life than in a setting like this on the mountaintop. Thank you for showing others what it looks like in the valley when you're going through. Amen. 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 Norma and Randy. Norma. Can you walk all the way up here? Can you walk all the way up here with Randy? Y'all come on. Of course you can. I should have said run. Look. I'll go through the front also. Y'all put your hand right there. See that? Put your hands together. You see this? You see this pile right here? Yes. It's not just for y'all. It is for y'all, but it's not just for y'all. This is what the enemy wants. This is what the enemy wants. This right here, these two hands joined together in marriage, it's the most powerful relationship in the world. It's a picture of Christ in the church. The devil hates it. He hates it. 
God wants you praying together about everything. Because he wants to get you guys to a point where he's speaking to both of your hearts. And y'all look at each other and go, hey. And yeah, that's what he said. And you, that's right. You see, there's nothing more fun. There's nothing more powerful. The devil hates marriage. Don't let any of the enemy's tactics interfere with this bond. This is the other thing he's after. The word inside of you. So keep growing in this relationship. Try to outlove and outgive each other. Don't be moved by anything the enemy throws. He's a loser. And he's going to have to repay sevenfold everything he tried to steal. Amen. This Amen. word is essential though. Don't let him steal the word. That's what he really wants. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Amen. to invite an uh, elderly uh, pastor over to their home for dinner. And uh, so he uh, accepted the invitation and he was there uh, in the living room just waiting and the, the, the couple were both off in the kitchen just preparing the meal. And so he was sitting there with their six-year-old son and uh, the pastor was getting kind of excited, smelled the food and everything. He asked the little boy, I wonder what we're having for dinner. I'm excited. And the boy goes, goat. And he said, he was kind of shocked by the answer. He said, goat? He said, are you sure? He goes, yeah, I'm sure. I heard my dad tell my mom just this morning, today is as good a day as any to have the, have the old goat for dinner. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> careful. Careful what you say around these little ones. They are totally honest and pure. Amen. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the opportunity for your children to come here and worship you. And for the wonderful technology you provide. Uh, to even folks like us, Lord, that we can get the word out all across the world. And uh, so we just thank you for everyone who hears this message, either here in, this, in our midst or in the future by some other means, Lord. And we just thank you that your anointing uh, breaks every yoke and knows no bounds. In Jesus' name, amen. What? must we do to do the works of God? What must we do to do the works God requires? That's a scripture, by the way. John 6, 26, 628. And Jesus answered that. 
He said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's it. That was his answer. <clears throat> Belief is what the Lord is after, what he desires from us. And it, <clears throat> or he, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. So this Jesus this truth, he said, I am the truth. So truth and Jesus are synonymous. This truth, this way, this Jesus has to be the root of all of our actions. Hmm? Proper action, because you, you can do good things, but proper action without proper believing or trust or faith in the Lord Jesus as a motivation is just religion or legalism. Trying to do something to earn God's favor and blessing when it's already been accomplished and settled and satisfied through the truth and the person of Jesus Christ. But proper believing based on faith will produce as a byproduct, all the desired works inside and out that religion is trying so hard to achieve. So following Jesus and rightly believing on him are the same thing. Or they're so closely related that you can't separate them. Just as James said, faith without works is dead. You can say without believing, there's no following of Jesus because right following is a byproduct of right believing. I'm trying to make that simple. If it sounded complicated, it's not. <laughs> and in order to get this Correct, we have to first acknowledge what? Our need for a Savior. And that might sound simple or fundamental or basic, but it's true. Because, and what it requires is humility on our part, doesn't it? Believe me, you know people that when they attend a church, they're like, man, they are so lucky I came here. <laughs> Just point them out. Let me fix them for you, Lord. Let me start with this preacher. They are so lucky I'm here. There are people like that, you know? And then there are other people who've been full-blown in love with Jesus for 50 years, and if you get up and just preach on John 3, 16, they're like, like the first time they heard it, they're hungry. They're saying, Lord, let me just break that down and meditate on that this week. That is wonderful. The word's alive and active. Huh? Mm -hmm. Matthew 18, verses 2 through 4, Jesus called a child over to himself. He, he put that, 
put that little child right in the midst of them. He said, truly, he's telling everyone around. He, he's using the child as an example. I say, unless you turn and become like children, like this little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting that Jesus used a little child to illustrate humility. We all, we all know or have known some little children, huh? It's true. They do have a purity and, and, a, and a humility about them that, 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 that's, that's many times missing in adults. They, they're certainly not selfless. Mm -mm. They're born selfish. They come into the world totally self-centered, don't they? <laughs> I want what I want when I want it. I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> but Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I, I, I've been crucified with Christ. I, I'm, I'm done with me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in or the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then again in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, he says, But, but God, being rich in mercy, uh, because of the great love that he has for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ, and it's by grace you have been saved. Nothing you can do to earn it. If it's if you earned it, or if he owes it to you, then it's not grace. First John, you can turn to First John if you want, because that's where I'm going to be with you today. First John, and the epistles in the back before Revelation, not the gospel. First John four nine eleven nine through eleven. <laughs> Imagine that. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment for the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The trait that Jesus was more likely referring to was a child's dependence upon others. A child may be self-centered, but it's certainly not self-sufficient, is it? <laughs> One of humility's dominant characteristics is God-dependency. Not self-sufficiency. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. Little children need help. So do we. And unless we admit we can't save ourselves and turn to God for his salvation, we can't be saved. Right. Now you say, now, now you know we all know that. And we, we, you're preaching to the choir. Yep. I always build up, if you haven't noticed that. If you don't hear the whole message, you, you're not going to get it. My definition, this is my, my, I have a dictionary of my own that I wrote. <laughs> but my definition of true believing, because that word is something that I've been studying 
for 15 years because I saw in the beginning and the Lord showed me that you know a lot of people go say a prayer and they just go on about their business and they say oh I took care of that a long time ago and they never talk to the Lord one more time or darken the church door or open a Bible sense and they think they're all good he said you need to warn them for me son so they're Believing, true believing, is trusting dependence on Jesus, resulting in confident corresponding actions. Confidence in God, that is, which motivates you and compels you to do and to be all that He's created you to do and to be. You're not a do to be, you're a be to do. He has made you to be the righteousness of God in him that you will do now out of a byproduct of that nature, that new nature, that new life, that new relationship. You will do. You'll be compelled and innate knowing and wanting and desire to do and fulfill all the things that he's created for you to do and to be. This kind of believing is necessary in the life of a successful, what I call a successful Christian. I like the word, uh, not just uh, life, but uh, adventure. I like to call it an adventure. Adam and Eve, in the third chapter, first 13 verses. I'm not going to go over there today. If you haven't read that yet, then you didn't get very far in your Bible. The third chapter is, it didn't take long if you notice, because the third chapter is where they had the fall of man. Third chapter, man, as far as they made it. I'm not being critical. I just pray God, if it, I wouldn't have done the same thing. I, you know, we all need to pray that. You know their sin was? Well, yeah, they ate an apple. No. Well, yeah. Their sin was unbelief. In the fifth verse, where they had done this thing that he told them not to do, that they already stopped believing that they would die if they ate of the fruit. Mm -hmm. Eating the fruit was just a manifestation of the sin of unbelief that was already in their hearts. Mm -hmm. Can't you see that? Mm -hmm. Or they wouldn't have done it. Right. Unbelief is just doubting or not valuing God's word. Yeah. Not taking it seriously. And we're not to tamper with God's word, folks. He doesn't change. I never forget how, I want to say dumbfounded I was and just amazed and shocked and really just heartbroken and saddened. Back in 2014, so almost well, nine years ago now, 
right at the last couple days of 2013, the opening days of 2014, the reports came out about Pope Francis, and I don't mean to name names, the Pope at that time. <laughs> Can't take you back, can I? But the Pope, around the beginning of 2014, he said that all religions are different ways to the same God. That's a damn lie. I get very defensive when it comes to the Lord. I'm a table turner in that regard. <laughs> Let me show you the story I read that, that sparked this in me. It was from a, something called the Catholic World Report, which I don't subscribe to. I just happened to, the Lord showed it to me. and said the Third Vatican Council concluded, they concluded today, with Pope so-and-so, announcing that Catholicism is now a modern and reasonable religion which has undergone evolutionary changes. The time has come. They decided. The time has come. How do you know the Lord determines times and times? And you know, we're in a time right now, the church age, grace and truth. But they decided the time has come to abandon all intolerance. You understand, that's, that's what happens in a culture. When we move away from God, we begin to tolerate things. We are tolerant people. We love everyone because we see past. We, don't, we, we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces that, that motivate people. You see? Mm -hmm. So we love everyone. They don't understand that because they, they think that's their identity, what they do, and it's not. We see the difference, and we love them anyway. Can't keep me from loving you. I hate your sin. <gasps> you should be in jail for hating who I am. That's not who you are. That's what you do. You're deceived. You tolerate it, and then you legalize it. And then you make it a law that you can't even call it bad. <laughs> the time has come to abandon all intolerance. We must recognize that religious truth evolves and changes. Truth is not absolute. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's not absolute, I guess. The truth is not absolute or set in stone. Even atheists, it gets worse, folks. Even atheists acknowledge the divine. Through acts of love and charity, the atheist acknowledges God as well and redeems his own soul. <laughs> becoming an active participant in the redemption of humanity. Now, you understand why I come against wrong doctrine? Do you think that's harmful yes. to the people that worship this ring-kissing man? It's devastating. Yeah. It's the difference in life and death. If that is your doctrine and your philosophy to live by, you will go to hell. John 14, 6, Jesus said, 
I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If Adam and Eve would have run to God, trusted him completely, been sold out to him and his integrity and love for them, they wouldn't have doubted. But they doubted the word because the devil tempted them and they listened. And it caused them to doubt God's love first. That's the first thing. In verse 1, the devil tempted them to, of chapter 3, that tempted them to disbelieve the word of God. That's the first thing he comes after, folks. He's going to come after the word that's sown in you today. Protect it. And then by verses 4 and 5, he outright lied about the word of God. And then he tempted them to doubt God's goodness, God's love, God's provision, and then lust or want or desire, whatever you want to call it, entered in. They wanted what they thought God was holding out on them, even though he had already provided perfectly and he always was going to. Amen. His love is perfect. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God's motivation for giving Jesus, bankrupting heaven temporarily, was for you. His love for you. Amen. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If, if we would be thankful. Oh, the power of thanks, thanksgiving. If we would be thankful for what God has done and continues to do for us every day, we would never find place to complain or lust after the things of the world, yeah. ever. Truly believing in Jesus translates to following Jesus, to staying connected to the vine. He's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. A branch just doesn't jump off a tree and say, I'll be back. I got to take care of something. I got this. <laughs> Everybody knows that doesn't work. Except Christians. <laughs> staying connected. Staying, following closely every day. Closely. All sorts of people followed Jesus when he was walking this earth in his brief life. His ministry was only three and a half years. He prepared 30 years for that three and a half year ministry. Wow, what a difference he made. <laughs> On the night of Jesus' betrayal, Peter denied him three times. We all know that. And, I, and I'm not knocking Peter. I, I, I like to poke fun and have fun sometimes. But believe me, I, I think he's one of the greatest men that ever lived. But that night, he, when Jesus got arrested in the garden, he, he followed Jesus back after he was arrested, didn't he? But you know something in that passage of Scripture, and you can look later, but it said he followed at a distance. Yeah. At a distance. In an effort 
to be safe from the ridicule, <laughs> the persecution, or whatever else being associated with Jesus at that time might have brought on him. And it, it, it could very well have been bad. In the very least, it would have been persecution. But Peter had done the most dangerous thing imaginable. By, by, by permitting distance in his relationship with Jesus. I just use this for an example for us. Peter had become vulnerable to all manner of temptation. And unfortunately, he succumbed to it, didn't he? The point is, you may be following Jesus, but following the right person at the wrong distance makes us vulnerable. I want to just take a little time to talk to you about something. Because it, it seems like it's ever before me these days. And I see people struggling with it. I see <clears throat> talking about the end times. Talking about the Antichrist. Talking about the things that you hear a lot about. I always say, and you've heard me say this, that to know the counterfeit, you study the real thing. The real thing, which is Jesus Christ. So for this reason, I always want Jesus to be the object of our focus and our learning. Not the enemy and his, what he's up to. I don't want to give him credit or glory for any of the little victories he thinks he might have won. Because every time he gets caught in my life, he's got to repay sevenfold, praise God. Amen. He's nothing to me but a loser. Amen. But as we get closer to the end times, so many focus on in fear, just just terrified of what's, what's coming, or the opposite, if they're a super Christian in their own eyes, <laughs> then, then, they, then they, instead of fear, they are in judgment of everyone around them, you see. So one extreme or the other, they're both bad. We need to be aware, though, that there is coming a time when that final confrontation between Christ and the Antichrist, the beast and the lamb, are coming. Amen. Yeah. Yes. It's going to happen. <laughs> so we don't want to be unaware. The Bible always says, I don't want you to be unaware. God wants us to be prepared and understand because by knowing the a little bit more about our enemy and the tactics he uses and what's coming, we can be prepared, right? That's all. It's not that we want to focus on the enemy or give him any credit or glory or talk him up or try to look for a demon on every doorknob. That can just turn to bad things. But you need to be taught so you have a, an understanding of it. And I think I'm just the, just the guy to do that. <laughs> I can't do anything apart from him. But I won't, so he knows. So this is, needs to be him. This is him. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> we want to know what this, this means. This, all this, what's this end time, this antichrist, this, 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 what's it all about? What's it mean in a nutshell? What will it look like? So that 
we're prepared to stand strong for the real Jesus. That's the whole point. The true and living God. You could depict it as a battle between light and darkness. You see that going on around you, right? Good and evil. Or frankly, in modern te terminology, the, the, those, those awakened to the truth of grace and Jesus Christ, or those blinded by the woke counterfeit of Satan. Was that too subtle? <laughs> listen, so I, I, I want to clarify, I want to get this straight, it, just in your heart. Some of you, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm just teaching some, some of you things that you already know, but the Bible says that many antichrists have come, but there will be one antichrist, and then there's the spirit of antichrist, right? This is what I want to try to make, give some clarity to you about today, so that you, you know. Huh? Because all of those are controlled by Satan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Bible, I, I, had a, I had a dream, uh, it's going to be a little more difficult than I thought, okay. The Bible portrays the beast, right? If you get into Revelation, he portrays the beast, that's the Antichrist. The beast is the Antichrist. And here, he's cunning, he's deceitful, he's arrogant, he's boastful, he's vicious, he's cruel, he's a murderer, he's treacherous, all those bad things identify him. In a dream, I saw all this recently. On a night I was uh, really struggling when I was recovering. The night of January the 9th, which was a Monday, and into the, the morning hours of January 10th, that Tuesday of this year. And I, I was, it was awful. It was awful. I saw so many things. And, and it, was, it was not only awful, but it was revealing and, 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 and important and sad. It, it, it was all about it was all about deception. It was all about deception. This was all about his kingdom, the enemy's attempts, his, his works, all exposed before me. And it was all about deception and, and, and people being lured in to his trap by the same things that have always tried mankind. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Many people, what I, it would take me through different scenarios and situations, like different movies, just boom, 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 boom. And I was in all of them. I was as a, as a third party, as a third person, viewing it as a third person. And I was the one there pulling for God, trying to encourage people to do the right thing, to make the right choices. But they were getting lured in to believing. They would start out 
thinking they could do the right thing. They, they, they were going to do the right thing. But along the way, they, they would get lured into believing they could get what they wanted and still do the right thing later on. They were made to think this by the enemy. This was his tactic. But once they were sucked in, and that's literally what I would see sometimes after he would court them and lure them and encourage them to do, hey, it's all right, it's all right, you know. Like I always say, the enemy will take you out on the edge of that limb. Come on, come on, I'm your friend, I'm your friend, then just leave you hanging. He'll take you further than you want to go, charge you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay. Amen. It's just a fact. But they would get sucked in by it. And I actually saw something like that. It's like a big checkerboard as big as this room with black and white squares. And they would, they would be tempted along the way. And they would be thinking they were going to do the right thing. And, and, and all these different situations and settings. And then once they got, once they, once they took the bait, they got sucked in. Zoom, right down into that square. And then they'd pop up in another one. And then they'd get like, like light and life and oh good, it's gonna be right back down. Then pop up again and suck them down again. Over and over and over. And then the board got fuller and fuller and fuller. And the enemy would look at me and he would then he would reveal, be revealed as Satan and he would say, what'd you expect? So all of the evil things that mark his character. And I'm talking about this was in all sorts of different settings. Political. Like think for example of, a, of someone who runs for political office. Every good intention. I'm going to go make a change. I'm going to do something good. And then along the way they find out how dirty and deep that, that, that swamp is. Right? How corrupted. And then they say well. They start to reason. You see. Yeah, well, if I don't compromise a little bit here, I, if I'm not in office, I can't help anybody. So if I just go along with this or that or the other, and then I'll, and then I'll get more power and authority, and then I'll really be able to do some good, you see? But first, I got to just, I kind of got to go along with it. That's just an example. I saw this in political settings, in the national sports arenas. I saw it in businesses of all kinds, small and large. I saw it in outlaw groups. I saw it in clandestine secret groups. And there are lots of those in our culture. I'm talking about from the Masons to the Mormons to biker groups. I'm, I, don't, I don't care. I'm not a, if I was trying to please man, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be working for the Lord. I'd be selling ice cream. I'm just telling you the truth and what I saw, folks. And, and, and then mostly what bothered me the most was so, so many of them were just everyday people. Everyday people just, just trying to do good. Every intention was to do good. And the next thing you know, that shiny thing was dangled in front of them. And they're like, well, maybe I can just do this and you know and it's going to be okay you know and that was the trap <coughs> excuse me and I was just the third party <coughs> and I was always there saying no choose God one time it was about the numbers and, and uh, 
<coughs> and, the, and then there were seven, there were three sevens there. And, and, and the guy was like, huh. And then the guy, the, the one trying to tempt them into going their way, just turned the numbers to sixes. And they were like, oh, okay. And I was like, no, that's not God. Go with the sevens. Don't choose the six. You, you, I, there's just so much to it. I haven't even mentioned it yet because there's so much that I can't even, I'm still trying to unpack it all. But like once there was a one, there was a, there was a guy there and he'd been sent into this terrible situation that a friend had gotten into. And he was there to bail him out. He was the voice of reason. He was the one that was looked up to. And he was a, a, an upright, great guy and a great friend. And he was there and I was like, great, his friend is here. You can talk to him. You'll get him out of this. And that's what he was there for, was to get his friend out of that situation. And he was about to, but then something else was offered to him. You see? And he was like, and he kept, he wanted to help his friend, then he kept, and I was like, don't, don't, help your friend, help your friend. He's like, yeah, yeah, I am, but, but I can, and the next thing you know, he's, it was as if his, his mind said, I can take this, I can still have this, and I'll still help him, and not only was his friend lost, but now he was too. I pray this is coming through to you. This is hard to describe. I wasn't really intending on going this far with it. But I would tell him, don't do this. Don't help your friend. Don't get involved with that business. Don't get involved with that organization. Don't you see it's not God? But every time they chose wrong. Every time. But in their minds, they can still do both. And and the evil, and, and, and then they do the good, and, and, and then that was the that was the trap. Like I said, the compromise. The compromise is going to be a huge, a huge thing in the future, in the coming days. That's going to be the trap. That's going to be the trickery. It's not going to be easy choices like, well, should I kill this guy or should I? Forgive, you know, those are easy for a Christian, pretty much. <laughs> it's the subtlety, the treachery, the trickery. And all of the ones who were the, the representatives of Satan, or then Satan himself was even there. At first, they weren't, they didn't act as if they were on the bad team. They, they, they made every argument that they were right. And justified it. And they were the ones wanting to really do the good. But then once they had them. Then they would be revealed. they say. What do you expect? I saw, I saw his face. That dragon. That loser. Wanting what they didn't have. And taking. Taking the enemy's option instead of trusting God. That's what it amounted to. Know this, beloved children of God. Jesus Christ, your kinsman redeemer, 
the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the author and finisher of your faith is easy to recognize if you know him. He is always truthful, full of peace, humble, meek, pure, strong, simple, simple, keep this in mind, simple and self-sacrificial. Simple and self-sacrificial. That's your Lord Jesus. Let's break it down in simple terms. The beast is the Antichrist and Satan is the one propping him up, right? Jesus Christ is the true Lamb of God. And as more and more division is sown into the world, people will either be actively cultivating the nature of the Lamb of Jesus or the nature of the beast. The path of, of light is not static. This is important because it's a litmus test for you in your Christian life. The, the, the path of light grows lighter and lighter and brighter and brighter as the new day dawns and the sun rises, huh? All the way to the, the bright noon day, you see? That's the path of the Christian life, the Christian walk. It's not a place to park or to camp out on the path. You're either progressing toward God or you're going backwards. Eventually, the Bible tells us that Satan, by agency of the, the Antichrist, will come against the true Christ to get him out of the way and, and, and his object is to replace him with a false Christ. That's what's going to happen. You see the deception. He's not going to portray himself as a, as a, a negative person. He's going to deceive people into thinking it, he's the obvious choice. Even Christians, if possible, the Bible says, if it were possible, and that's, that's God giving you credit for saying, I know that you will not be the type that it can be shaken. Be that one. Go back to John, 1 John, like I told you, and that's the only place I'm going to make you turn to. Because I want you to remember 1 John, because it, it talks about this. You can read the book of Revelation, but the reason most preachers don't preach on it is because they don't understand it. So I don't want to throw you off in the deep end. First John, great place. First John 2 and verse 18. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures to you. First John chapter 2, verse 18. John says this, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, know that it is the last hour. The spirit of the Antichrist 
Now, let me read one more. Look at, turn over just to the next page. 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. By this, I'm going to back up to the first. Beloved, do you believe every, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Look at this, verse 2. By this, you know the spirit, that's Holy Spirit, capital S, of God Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. We're going we're gonna to make this clear, okay? You all with me? Yes. So we see... Here, three forms of Antichrist, like I mentioned before, right? First, there's, it talks about many Antichrists, plural, right? Didn't he? Many Antichrists have come. Didn't he say that? And then the Antichrist, singular. And then the spirit of Antichrist. All talked about, right? So don't get confused about this. The last one... The spirit of Antichrist is of really great importance for us to understand. And that's what I really want to focus on the most. Because all of the Antichrist forms mentioned are controlled by the spirit of Antichrist. Okay? Because we don't look at anyone after the flesh anymore. Isn't that what they said about Jesus? We Once we knew him in the flesh, but we don't look at him that way anymore. We don't see anyone, matter of fact, after the flesh. We are spirit beings, and so we're looking at people after the spirit. That's why we can love someone who is involved in a terrible sin and hate that sin and love that person. Because we are spirit beings with a soul and a body. <coughs> Hallelujah. Well, that's good stuff, preacher. <laughs> in history, there have been lots of antichrists. But there's one who will be called the Antichrist. He's the ultimate manifestation of the spirit of Antichrist. A few things that we need to be aware of that point to him. I'm going to actually, actually four things I'm going to point out real quick of the spirit of the Antichrist. 1 John 2.19 said, and let's, let's look at that one real quick. We looked at 2.18. Let's look at 2.19. They went out from us. He talked, remember he said, he said, uh, he said in 18, the last hour is coming. You heard that the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that this is the last hour. Then, in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not have, they would have continued with us. So here's the point. The spirit of the Antichrist begins in the church. <clears throat> or in relation to the people of God. But those who align themselves or are of the spirit of the Antichrist will not remain with Christians. The preaching of the truth, the true gospel, the full gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit will drive them away. And they go out from Christianity. They will depart from it. 
Secondly, the spirit of Antichrist denies the father-son relationship of Jesus Christ and God the Father, Yahweh. 1 John 2, verse 22 through 24. Listen to this. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Do you see that? This second mark is very common in Islam, folks. You know that beautiful building? And Islam, don't, don't kid yourself. This is one of the most powerful, demonic, anti-Christian forces in the world. I'm shooting straight with you. This is for your own information to build you up and make you know who you are and who your enemy is. This is helpful. Not to frighten you, but to prepare you. Praise God. Lord, let that, be, let that be the ultimate manifestation of this teaching. You know that beautiful dome on the mosque of Omar? That beautiful golden dome that, 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 that is, it stands on the temple side in Jerusalem? That you see in all the pictures when they show Jerusalem? That's a, that's a Muslim mosque. You understand that, right? <laughs> you know, there are inscriptions on that mosque which state two times the words God has no need of a son that's the spirit of antichrist anything that says you don't need Jesus to get to God or denies Jesus is the spirit of antichrist the third thing, it, it denies that Jesus came in the flesh. Look in the fourth chapter, 1 John 4, verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? The Spirit of Antichrist denies that Jesus has come in the flesh. It will not affirm that the Messiah came as a man of flesh and blood. And the fourth thing, it will not confess Jesus as Lord. 1 John 4, 3, the next scripture. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. I think I just read that twice when I was reading 4, 2. But... Precious children of God, listen, without exception, without exception, any spirit that does not acknowledge what the Bible says about Jesus is the Antichrist spirit. Yes. I'm almost done here. But I'll tell you, just to give you another example from the Bible, the first time that this spirit appeared on the scene. Any of you off the top of your head remember? In Matthew chapter 27, and I'm not going to turn over there. 
you can if you want to, but the 21st and 22nd verse, <clears throat> the Bible records the first time that the spirit of Antichrist actually came on the scene and manifested itself in the world. Jesus had been arrested, beaten, mocked, sent through a series of kangaroo courts, and uh, then he was, he was up there with Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor who was there. So Jesus stood up there before Pilate and his accusers, which were the Jewish, Jewish religious leaders of the day. And, and Pontius Pilate was going to release Jesus. He wanted to release him, didn't he? They didn't want it. So then Pontius Pilate brought out Barabbas. This is the day of the year where he released in good faith one of the prisoners at their request. So he brought out Barabbas and stood him next to Jesus. Now, the people got to choose. Pontius Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. And so now he's like, okay. He puts Barabbas next to him. And you could read that in the passage of Matthew chapter 27. I'm afraid if I go over there, I'll take longer than I want. But they deliberately rejected Jesus and chose another, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> Barabbas was a murderer and a violent prisoner uh, a, a political prisoner who had caused an insurrection and, and, and he, he was a murderer. Jesus, on the other hand, had, had never done anything wrong. He'd never harmed anyone. He'd only done good and healed people. Probably some of the people in that very mob he had healed, I would imagine. Many of them had heard him teach. He had preached on peace and love to thousands upon thousands and healed many. So this crazy choice of the crowd is one of the most amazing facts in human history, isn't it? How could they make such a terrible mistake? They were deceived, folks. Mm -hmm. And they were lured in by the spirit of Antichrist yeah. who was on the scene. It made them crazy and angry unjustifiably. It changed their their whole demeanor. And folks, the point of this is, is we have to be very careful that if, if we're ever faced with, 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 with such a challenge as this, that we're not lured in by the same demonic force that got a hold of them. Anytime you see a mob getting angry and worked up, insane with rage and violence, and no justifiable cause, you, you can know right there, there's not God. You go the other way. Jesus warned the Jews about this in, in, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 5. He told them, he said, you know, I, I come to you in the name of my Father, and you reject me. Another comes to you in his own name, and you accept him. I think this is going to happen in the world again. The human race is destined to be faced with a choice. Jesus or someone else. The same spirit of Antichrist that overwhelmed that crowd in Jesus' day is going to cause the vast majority of people in the world to declare, away with Jesus, give us this other person. 
this false messiah, this deceiver, the antichrist himself. And he's going to be a lot worse than Barabbas, folks. <clears throat> we never, ever want to be complacent. That's one of the things the Lord is telling me, that my people are just too complacent. They just uh, think they're all just fine and dandy. They choose a church for all the wrong reasons. They tell the pastor what a great message it is. And then if he asks them what they got out of it, they don't know, but it was life changing. <laughs> I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just asking you to prepare yourself because you got to take it seriously. And he loves you. He's so much fun. That's why I want you to do this journal. And that, and that, uh, that the man of God, Russell, uh, encouraged you to do. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to help with that. And then you know what's going to happen at the end of 30 days? You're not going to stop. Because <laughs> you're going to start hearing the Lord so clearly. And then what you, you will happen is you get to a point where you just hear him all the time. Don't ever be complacent in your Christian life when <clears throat> we believe we can never be deceived because dedication to growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ is essential for Christians to protect themselves against this deception that we've been talking about. And I can't tell you how important it is for parents to be teaching their children about Jesus. The real Jesus. How to apply scriptures to their situations, to their little circumstances. And the beauty of it and the love of God for them. So that it's a normal thing to talk about Jesus and to pray in their home. Yes. It's the ultimate responsibility of parents. I was talking before, and I'll close here, about following Jesus closely. Having Jesus at the center of our lives. What creates distance or space between us and the Lord? A few things. I would say that one is just not spending time. So that's why, again, I'm so glad that we're in this season where everybody is sort of pressing in to hear the Lord and to learn how to do that. Because that's the number one thing that creates space between us and God is just not taking the time to spend with him. <clears throat> you can almost get to a place where you just feel like, well, the honeymoon's over. I, I, I got this. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I, know, I know what I'm doing. I hear him clearly. <clears throat> Could be deceiving yourself. The second is the fear of man. Look what happened to Peter. The fear of being associated with Jesus. A lot of people prefer <clears throat> the approval of people more than the approval of, of God. And it's really not so much that they would say that. <clears throat> but what it is, it's like, well, there's going to be a quicker more direct and obvious response from people right now than from God. <laughs> it's like he's, uh, he's not going to strike me down right now, and these people are going to come against me, so I'll <coughs> just stay safe. Right. 
It's not good. Not good. Sin is another thing that keeps us from <coughs> staying close to God. Even though it's a million times I've said, learn to run to God and not from Him. I don't care what you've done. He knew what you were going to do when He saved you. He loves you anyway. He doesn't love you because you're lovely. He loves you because He is love. Amen. But still people run from Him when they're in sin. <coughs> people just have a busy life sometimes. And we all do that. That busy life just usually translates into, I really just want to do my thing. Because <laughs> a lot of that busy stuff that you say, I, I didn't have enough time. God says, I didn't tell you to do some of that. But really, in the fifth thing, you notice? <laughs> the deeper root of all these things is unbelief. Come full circle here, huh? It's unbelief whether we admit it or not. We can call it what we want. We can dress anything up. Call it something else. Most Christians are never left without an excuse. <laughs> unbelief in the word. Unbelief in his love for you. And I say his love for you is, I'd, I'd say that being the foundation of your faith and your confidence and your motivation in the Christian life. If you don't have a, a revelation of God's love for you, you need to take it personally. Uh, you, you're never going to be able to live out the life that he's called you to. You can't give away what you don't have. You have to receive his love for you. You need to see how awesome you are in his eyes. If you don't, you're not ever going to be able to convince anyone else. And that's ultimately where your fulfillment's going to come. Not when you get all the help that you need from God, healing, empowerment, love, and prosperity, then you go and help others to receive that same help. That's where your fulfillment and your real joy is going to come from. That's what you were created for. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <clears throat> First John 4, verse 9 through 11, I'll read it again. It says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Amen. In this is love. Not that we loved him. Don't try to love him harder, more. Oh, I'm trying. But that he loved us. You need to focus on that part. Yeah. When someone loves you as much as Jesus does, he's irresistible. You will fall in love with him based on his love for you, but you got to get a revelation of that love. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He paid for everything. He paid for all your ugly folk. Amen. Quit trying to pay for it again. Mm -hmm. That gets in the way of the future. Quit living in that rearview mirror. <clears throat> Quit dragging that baggage into everybody that knows you now, life. Here, how do you do? Will you hold these boulders for me? <laughs> We're going to have fun together. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> and, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's how people will know that you belong to Jesus. He said so himself. You love one for another. 
Hebrews 3.12 said, Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil or sinful, unbelieving heart. He equates unbelief with sin and evil, leading you to fall away from the living God. <laughs> Fortunately, Peter's story ended well, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really well. How would you like to just have people lined up along the street so maybe your shadow would hit them and heal them? <coughs> that was his ministry. He got it right, folks. And so can you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, as far as we know, from the recorded life of Peter, he never permitted such a dangerous space or distance to form between him and the Lord again in a relationship, and neither did John. The moment we get our bearings and determine to follow Jesus more closely, we find him there waiting for us, anxious to lead us and guide us in my journaling, I'll just tell you this. I'll give you a little part of it. But it started out like, well, Lord, you know, I just, I love you. You know, just thank you for everything. That's a good place to start. But, you know, I'm, I'm really good, Lord. I'm just trusting in you. And then, uh, but all I want is this, 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 and this. And I really would, I really would really like it if you would give me answers about what you want me to do for this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And I was like, oh my God. And you know what he said? close to me. I'm going to guide and I'm going to provide every step of the way. And you know, that's, that's all I need to hear. He doesn't have to tell me every step. Matter of fact, he doesn't do that out of love for us. He carries the burden of all that. I just know that he is there and he, I belong to him. I'm his responsibility, huh, Joey? And he's got me, loves me better than I do. I think of things and times he delivered me out of when I didn't even think of him or consider him in a day. Before I even gave my life to him, He's saved my life so many times that I can document events and times and places and I know it was him. But when we're traveling through unfamiliar territory, yes please, thank you. It's wise to follow closely behind the one who's leading us, folks. Like Peter, we might be following the right person at the wrong distance. We don't want to let that happen. If you notice that happening, just close the gap. That's all you got to do. Every time I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm really sorry I messed up there, okay, let's go. 
That's about as long as he wants to talk about it. As long as he sees my heart is repentant, I've changed my mind about that, I wish I hadn't done it or said it or whatever. Yeah, that's it. He's not interested in me getting down and groveling before him. Okay, that should be enough. Okay, now you forget. No, he forgave me a long time ago. 2,000 years ago. The reason he says, okay, that's good, is because now my conscience is, is purified again. It's not burdening me now. It didn't change anything with him. He already loved me. He already forgave me. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for this powerful teaching, Lord. I just pray that it came through clearly in a way that people can understand through this, this weak vessel that you chose to use as your instrument here. But I know that this is your word, Lord, and that you love us and you're trying to prepare us, not scare us. Thank you for this powerful teaching, Lord. Let it be all of our prayer that, Lord, we choose to not fall into the traps of the, the enemy of our souls, that we will not compromise, that we will not allow space between you and us, that we will stay connected to the vine. We're just the branches. And as long as we stay connected, we're gonna bear much fruit. And thank you for all of that fruit that we're gonna see evidence of in the, the season to come, this beautiful, springtime that approaches as new day dawns in this new season and chapter in the lives of your children here and in the grace and truth church and in just the lives and families of all those who are hearing and and traveling this path this growth path that you have given through me lord i just thank you for all the wonderful things that you showed me are coming for these people and lord we just pray that they see that they know the enemy's tactics and they know the opportunities and the times of refreshing that await them and that when terrible things arise, when challenges come, they see the opportunity for offense, whether it be at you or at others, they decline that opportunity to be offended. They stay in love, they stay in faith, they stay in peace, and then when they're required to take a step of faith, they do it, they do it quickly. And they align themselves to receive all that you have for them. And I just ask that you pour it on, Lord. Make us all good stewards of everything you give us. Don't give us anything that would take us further from you. But, Lord, just prepare us. Make us the men and women of God that you created us to be. And good stewards of everything that you place in our care. And then pour it on, Lord. Help us to be kingdom builders. Restore every broken thing in our lives, our relationships, our families, our finances, our health. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and you've already provided this thing, these things. We just believe and receive now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you all.